My name is Amy Winkle. I am the interim priest in charge and just thankful to be in the house of the Lord with you all this morning. Um, We are continuing our study in the book of Matthew, and so we're going to read our passage and pray, and then we will jump into the text. Um, We're in Matthew 15, starting in verse 21. And our text says this, Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you in these moments humbly, God. And we say praise to the Father and praise to the Son. Praise to the Holy Spirit, three in one. Such mystery that holds and yet such grace for us. So may we sit before you now, even as we contend with you. And may we hear your voice, Lord. May we hear your words to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this is one of those texts, as I was sitting it with it this week, but even like whenever I encounter this particular text where it's just really confusing, right? Like you read this, I mean, I really feel like I finally got to the point in my spirit, like maybe even just yesterday, where I was like, why are you being so weird, Jesus? Like, really, you know, like if you just break it down, like you're being weird, you know, Um, and yet I know like there's some kind of purpose behind it, but on the surface, it's just really hard to get to it because Jesus is acting in ways that seem out of character here. He's acting in ways that we're not used to. We're used to see him, seeing him moving toward people, not away from people, but here he seems kind of standoffish. He seems maybe even insulting. And it just makes you kind of wonder, like, what in the world is going on? Like, are you having a bad day? Like, is something going on that we just can't see here? Do we feel a need to sort of soften it? You know? Like, as I've sat with different commentaries, there's lots of ways to go with this text. And I think sometimes in our discomfort, we just want to start to explain it away. Like, well, Jesus didn't really mean that, you know. He was, he was just like, we don't know what actually was going on. And so I I feel like the invitation for us this morning is to just be willing to sort of sit in the tension, you know, Um, maybe even say we don't know sometimes, Um, but to say there's something here for us, that that there's something that the Lord wants to say to us in the midst of this text. So what I want us to do is just as far as a way of approaching the text is um, to start by looking at the context. Any seminary people out there? Context, context, context. 
Um, but I think it's important. I think there might, there might be something about the context that kind of opens up this text for us. So right before this passage, Jesus is in a discussion with Pharisees and also with his disciples about um, who is clean and unclean. What is unclean, clean and unclean even? He talks about it not being about like what goes into the body that defiles, but actually what comes out of it. And so we see Jesus kind of like kind of pushing back on the Pharisees. The Pharisees are upset because Jesus and his disciples aren't going through the, the normal ritual pure, of purity laws related to like washing hands and stuff before eating. And so they're coming to Jesus and they're like, what, what are you doing? Like, this is not what we're expecting you to do. We expect that, you're, that you and your disciples would follow these purity laws. And so Jesus starts pushing back on them and saying, that's not what purity is really about. That's not what cleanliness is really about. It's not about the exterior, but it's about what's going on in the interior, the interior of the heart. That it's the interior state of our being that really matters, that determines who or what is clean or unclean. And even after this kind of interaction with the Pharisees, we see the disciples coming to Jesus and going, can you give us a little more context here? Like, we're still confused. Like, they're still wrestling with it as well because it's not part of their expectation either. So it's interesting that it's out of that conversation, like from that conversation, that then the text tells us that Jesus goes into Tyre and Sidon. So Tyre and Sidon being like a port city, but also a Gentile region. He's going among the unclean people. And I don't know that that's like by accident, right? Like that maybe this is trying to sort of open up what Jesus has been talking about in this encounter here with the Canaanite woman. So Jesus goes into Tyre and Sidon among these unclean Gentile people. And this um, Canaanite woman comes up to him and is begging him, begging him to heal her daughter. So obviously Jesus' reputation has gone out before him so that she even knows who he is, knows to come and ask him. Like who knows what all kind of stories she's heard about miracles that he's been able to do, about ways that he's met people where they are. And so we can feel her desperation as she comes to Jesus and starts crying out to him to help her, help her daughter. And at first what we see is that Jesus doesn't say anything at all. The text says he doesn't respond to her at all. And then we see his disciples come to him and not like advocating for her, knowing what Jesus could do on her behalf, but instead saying to him, will you just send her away? Like she just won't stop shouting at us. And we have to wonder like what's going on in the heart of the disciples when they see this woman? What do they see when they see her? This Canaanite Gentile woman. Are the, all the bells going off for them? Unclean, unclean, unclean. Don't touch. Don't come near her. She's not one of us. But she isn't just going away. She's not taking the hint. She keeps coming toward him and she cries out to him again, Lord, son of David, help me. Jesus responds by saying he was only, he was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Now imagine what that would sound like. Here she's like coming to Jesus and begging him for help. She hears the disciples telling him just to send her away. And Jesus' response is to say, I only came for the lost sheep of Israel. Like if that were you, if you were in that situation, what would you do? Would you just be like, well, I guess he's not going to help me. So maybe I'll just, I'm embarrassed now. I don't know what to do, so I'll just walk away. But that's not what she does. 
Instead of being dissuaded, instead she moves toward, toward him. She gets closer to him. And she, and she falls on her knees and cries out again, asking for help. Jesus responds by saying that it's not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Dogs in Jewish culture were considered unclean, almost as bad as pigs or swine. So here Jesus is acknowledging her cultural uncleanness by referring to her as a dog. Again, how in the world would you respond? (laughs) If that's what Jesus had to say, I don't have food, I have food for the children, but not for the dogs. And And still she's not dissuaded. She moves closer she, gets, she tries again, and she continues the metaphor by saying that even dogs eat crumbs that fall from the master's table. And after she says this, Jesus commends her as having not just faith, but great faith, and heals her daughter. So could it be that this story is playing out in such a way that Jesus is trying to like actually illustrate for his disciples what this whole idea around clean and unclean actually means? That it's not about the external, that it's not about like what, um, who this person is or where they come from, but actually what's happening coming out of her heart that determines like what, what cleanliness looks like. This idea that it's Jesus that makes us clean. By interaction with him, by faith in him, we are made clean. So maybe Jesus is continuing to sort of mess with the categories Maybe he's trying to really teach the disciples something in this moment. Say that even when we want to concentrate on the externals, that that's not what it's about. It's what comes out of a person that exposes the heart, what is clean and unclean within us. So I think as we sit with this text this morning, what's helpful might be is if we kind of break down these three characters, sort of look at them um, each in, in turn and see what the Lord might have to say to us. So first of all, this woman, this Canaanite woman, this unclean woman, she comes to Jesus desperate, aware of her need, knowing that she can't fix it herself. Can you just hear it in her words before Jesus? Can you just do something for my daughter? Like she's tormented, the word tormented by a demon. Can you imagine what this woman has been through, what she's seen, what her daughter has seen and been through? She loves her daughter and wants her daughter to be made well. And so it is out of the lips of a Gentile woman coming to Jesus that we hear her refer to Jesus as Lord, not just once, but three different times, and saying, Son of David. Here's this Gentile woman calling him by the title of Israel's Savior, Israel's Messiah. She's saying, you are the son of David, and I believe, I mean, look, this faith, I believe that you don't have just something for Israel. I believe you have something for me as well. And she kneels before him. She shows great faith in his ability to help her, even though she's not from the right bloodline, even though she's not from the right side of the tracks. And so let's just think about for a minute like this contrast between the the Pharisees and even the disciples and this woman. This amount of faith that she has of who Jesus is, just this sense of like, I just, I know who you are and I'm not letting up until like you acknowledge me and we can talk through this. That it's this different than like kind of this distance or this sort of cerebral thing that we see happening with the Pharisees of like, I don't know how I feel about that. She knows she needs Jesus. 
She knows that he has what she needs. And therefore, like, all bets are off, right? She's going to go and contend with him. And so I wonder, is her status um, as an unclean person being called into question in this text? Is that, what, is that what Jesus is doing? Is he trying to get his disciples to think about it? To say, look at this woman, look at her faith. And it, what happens when you, like, really step back and look at it? And so that's the second thing. The second thing we want to look at is the disciples who are grappling with this idea of clean and unclean, who are watching this woman come and urge um, Jesus to do something for her. And when they see her, unfortunately, instead of being like, yeah, Jesus, do something for her, like her her daughter's being tormented. What are you going to do about it? We know you can do something. That's not what we hear them say. We hear them say, send her her way because she won't stop yelling at us. They want him to, to not even attend to her. And I wonder if it's not even so much that because um, that she's bothering them as much as it is of who she actually is. That when they look at her, they don't see her need. They don't see her faith. They see unclean. They see Gentile. They see a woman who dares to come and speak to not only just a man but a Jewish rabbi. And they're like, no, no, this can't happen. Like, these are not in, within our categories. This is not what's meant to, what's meant to go down. And so you wonder, like, what's going on in their hearts, right? That, they're, that this inability for them to see her and see her need. Just send her away, Jesus, they're saying, so we can get on with more important matters. And then, thirdly in this text is Jesus himself, who's acting a bit out of character. Seems like Jesus is moving away rather than moving toward And I think we just have to say, like, it makes us nervous when we read the text, right? Like, something's up here, and I don't really know what it is. Like, you know, like I said, why are you being weird, Jesus? Like, you know, like, we just have to sit in that tension. And I wonder, like, why would this woman continue to pursue Jesus when he's acting this way? Maybe she sees something in Jesus that continues to push her forward, to make her push again, to ask again. When we think about Jesus, like, not just in this text, but, like, all that we know from the the, uh, testimony of Scripture, what we know is that it's not uncommon for Jesus to challenge the notions of the day. It's not uncommon for him to try to name a dynamic that's happening beneath the surface. And so could it be that his statements here to this woman are not so much about her as much as they are to expose something that's happening in the hearts of the disciples? And, but maybe he's also challenging her, too to challenge the way that she thinks about herself. It makes us wonder if Jesus is continuing to push the boundaries on what is considered clean and unclean. And by pushing back in response to the woman, he is showing what resides within her, in herself, her faith, her persistence, her reverence for Jesus and the recognition of who he is. These are the things that make her clean. These things override all those outside trappings that work against her. The fact that she's a Gentile, that she's a woman. She's not a set of cultural biases and perceptions, but actually she has broken the mold by her belief in Jesus. Do you hear it? So now, in texts like these, it's helpful to put ourselves in the story. Right? 
Is anybody, anybody like a Friends? Am I watch Friends out there? Just me? Okay. I know. I date myself when I say this, but you know, like when, when Joey like says, let's get in the map, you know, like when they're in London, he's like, I don't know which way to go, so let's just get inside the map. Anyway, sorry, that was a really loose reference, but <laughs> if you know, you know, right? But that's kind of what I want us to do, like put ourselves in the story. Let's get in the map, so to speak. So are there things in us that we thought, think might disqualify us from receiving from Jesus. So just think about this woman, like putting ourselves into her shoes. There were plenty of reasons for her not to go to Jesus. There are plenty of reasons for her to see all the cultural boundaries between her and him and to say, I don't know that I'm worthy. I don't know that I qualify. I don't know that he'll pay attention to me. Would we be willing to put ourselves in the posture of this woman that just says, you know what, despite all of those things, despite all the things inside of me that I know don't make me worthy, I know I need him. I know I need Jesus. There's no way of getting around it. There's no other way of fixing this thing. There's no other answer out there except putting myself at the feet of Jesus and saying, will you just help me? I don't know what else to do. And I think that's the invitation of the woman to us. It's what we see in her. It's why Jesus like, commends her for her great faith, that she's willing to push through the cultural boundaries and to say, I just want to fall at your feet and let you do what I can't do for myself. We also have to put ourselves into the place of the disciples. Like this is where this gets helpful sometimes too because it's easy for us to be like, oh, I'm the one in need, right? And that is so true. We're all in need. And yet, we also all are on the side of the disciples. And so let's put ourselves in that place as well. Being challenged um, in who they consider worthy or unworthy, clean or unclean. Judging by the externals rather than what resides in the heart. Like seeing that sense of like, neediness and unwillingness to come to Jesus as being what makes us clean. I think we're all guilty of this. It's not just the disciples. It's easy for us to sit back and be like, man, what's their deal? Like this woman is in need. Like can't, why don't they want to do something about it? If we stop and think for a second, we know that this is one of the great sins of the human heart. To see people by the external, by the categories, rather than seeing the person. And it's easy for us to want to just make snap judgments about folks all the time and not think twice about it. We know where the categories are that make us feel safe. And then Jesus comes along and he challenges them and he tells us to look again. As I was sitting with this, um, this passage, I was thinking about um, this particular time in my life. is right after a seminary where I worked at our mission organization and part of my job uh, during that time was to like, work with missionary candidates, so people who were applying to be missionaries, and to kind of be part of the interview process with them. And so I read a lot of applications um, for overseas missionaries. Um, and during that time, too, like, we were actively thinking like we were going to be overseas missionaries ourselves. So it was hard for me not to read those, um, the applications and to think, how would I answer this question? And there were several questions on the application that I was, like, afraid I was going to, like, how I was going to answer. <laughs> you know, like, how vulnerable do I want to be? Um, and one of those questions was this, and here again, I can't remember exactly how it was worded, but it was something to the effect of, 
Um, do you ever struggle or deal with prejudice? And I would see like application after application after application that just was like, no, 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 no. And I thought, oh, Lord, I don't know if I can answer it that way because I know my heart. I know how quick I am to make judgments about people based on their outward appearance or the color of their skin or their socioeconomic situation or the fact that they're rural and not a city person. Their education. Am I alone in that? Or maybe God hasn't really done enough sanctifying work in me, which is true. Um, but I was like kind of nervous about it. Like, oh, well, maybe this is going to disqualify me, you know, from serving if I can't like root this out somehow. Even though like I want to root it out for sure. And as I sat with those applications, at one point there was a, a couple friend of ours who were going through the process. And I remember reading her application. And when I got to it, she was like, her answer was, yes, I deal with this. She's like, I grew up in the South. And this is something that is so deeply ingrained in me that only Jesus can pull it out. And I was just like, oh, thank you, Lord. Amen. Please root it out of me. I can't do this by myself. I want to. My intentions are good, but yet I see that uncleanness in me, that uncleanliness, that darkness in me that only you can root out. So will you do the work? It's a lifelong work, I think, but it's one that we continually put at the feet of Jesus over and over and over again to say, Lord, help us to see each other in the image of Jesus, in the image of you, that we are made in the image of God, and that what makes us clean is not anything on the exterior. It's only by the blood of Jesus that we are made clean. It's our faith that is our defining factor. If everyone around me sounds like me, looks like me, agrees with me, then I think that's something that we have to pay attention to. That's something that Jesus wants to challenge his church on. And so how might Jesus be challenging our prejudices our, and our stereotypes, our desire for neat little boxes of who's blessed and who's not? And how much do they look like me? And therefore, I need to be continually challenged. The passage that we started with this morning in Isaiah 56 shows that like, this is part that's been in the heart of God for a long time. He says in verse 6, And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it and hold fast my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted at my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And so Jesus wants to do this work in us. And to, just as he was with the disciples, to continue to push against those barriers and to say, let me show you something bigger. So now, let's go back to Jesus and to our question of, like, why are you being weird, Jesus, right? I wonder for you today, if there's somewhere where you have cried out to Jesus and he seems silent or distant, there's something that you have asked him over and over. Will you just do this for me, Lord? Will you help me? 
and it feels like you don't get an answer, that he's silent. I just want to say it really feels confusing. But also I want to ask you, would you be willing to try again? Would you be willing to call out again, knowing what we know about, about our Lord, even when he's confusing, <laughs> even when he's mysterious? He is good. And therefore, we can call out again and again. In the Ignatian exercises, I'm talking about these verses. It, it kind of like has you be in the place of the woman and asking like, you know, what, what do you see? Like when Jesus responds in the way that he does, like how does it feel? How do you, what do you see? And then it kind of flips and it says, what do you see in the face of Jesus? What do you see in his eyes? I love that. Like, there's, like, the way that he's contending with her. But what does he look like when he's doing it? When we look into his face, into his eyes, can it help us to trust again that he is who he says he is, even when the silence or the inaction is confusing? It's a hard ask for sure, but such are the makings of faith, that persistence that willingness to contend with him, right? Jesus may challenge us, but that doesn't mean that he is dismissing us. I'm going to say that one again. Jesus may challenge us, but that doesn't mean that he is dismissing us. Maybe he's just asking us to keep contending, to keep coming back again, because he has more for us. And so we pray, Lord, that you would just give us the faith and the trust to do so. That we wouldn't give up on you, God. But we would continue to contend with you and to ask for healing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.